Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. what can be an annoying process? Having to listen to ads in order to listen to podcasts. Do you know what's not an annoying process? Working locum tenens with Weatherby Healthcare. Our experts streamline everything from credentialing to housing with industry-leading technology and know-how so you can simply focus on what you love, practicing medicine. Head to financialresidency.com forward slash Weatherby to get started and feel free to keep your favorite podcast on while you're at it. Okay, please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Ursula Lang. Dr. Ursula is a MD and PhD and a board-certified dermatopathologist. Ursula has first-hand experience managing the stressors that academic careers can disproportionately have on women and minorities. She has found coaching transformative in her own life and now shares it with the world. She is the loving wife to a financial technology startup, husband of five years, and the mother of two children, including an 11-year-old boy and a three-and-a-half-year-old girl. So welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for coming. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Oh my gosh, that that applause is lovely. I love it. Thanks, Kate, for having me on. Finally back in my Dallas apartment. Today is the first day I have stepped, like woken up in Dallas in two months. So I have my actual podcast recording studio for the past two months. I've been in Kansas City just working off my laptop and a travel microphone. So, so yeah. What a special occasion. I love being the first one in your new office. And everything's working. So perfect. So Tell, tell us a little bit about, about who you are, why you're here, and you know why, why you're here talking about marital interdependence and successful relationships with us. Oh my goodness, Kate. It seems almost like a dream, to be honest, because when I was hearing you talk about my, my bio, I'm like, yes, I am an academic physician, dermatopathologist, researcher. And basically my whole life, it's always been laid out. It's that pipeline everyone talks about. And for sure, MD-PhDs, the pipeline's that much longer. So it's always felt very like structured and this is the next step and that's the next step. And I think like many stories of a lot of people during the COVID times, it gave me the lab shutdown, first of all. That was huge, right? A lot of physicians, they ramped up their work. Some of us had to be home with the kids and you know, that whole thing happened. So once the lab shut down and I started going, spinning a little, to be honest, right? Um, The structure's gone. Like what's next? Like, what do I do? Right. And thankfully I'd had coaching already accessible to me, but it was one of those things that I kind of did in secret. I didn't really tell people. I just kind of managed myself and my mind And then I used it that much more. And then I saw all the suffering of all the physician scientists out there who were going through similar stuff, but many of them didn't have the clinical to fall back on. So, 
you know, it was just this, this whole trifecta of like the kids at home. I mean, we all know the story, right? But also the lab shutting down and there's this clock on research, you know, to get certain things done, the grants and all the things. So I just found re- like coaching was helping me so much manage my mind. I'm like, I cannot keep this to myself. There's so much suffering out there. I need to share this with physician scientists. And then at the same time, all the stuff around the racial and social like awareness, justice, all this, all the stuff was just happening. Was, everything was blowing up. And I'm like, what can I do? You know, like we always want to go out and save the world, right? And and then for me, it was really taking a step back and saying, okay, what's my inner circle? Like, who can I directly impact? And that ended up being Latina physicians like me. So those are my two areas of coaching. And I cannot even believe I'm here where I'm at right now. It's seems like a dream. And tell us a bit more, like, how and why did you already know about coaching? And like, why were you doing it in secret? Oh, my gosh, good question. So I found coaching um, because actually in fellowship, my Dermpath fellowship, I was sitting right next to my co-fellow. And we, I mean, we're pathologists, and you know, those radiologists were sitting all day long, right? Yes, yes, I love to sit <laughs> when I work. <laughs> And so the two of us were sitting, you know, 10, 12 hours a day right next to each other. We only had each other. So we became the best of friends. And all of a sudden I noticed that she was losing weight. I'm like, what is happening? You're, we're both snacking all day long. I, we're not exercising. What is going on? And she shared with me Katrina Yebel's podcast. And then I started listening to it. And that was just my first oh. yeah, introduction to the world. Okay. So she was, she was trying to lose weight. So she was purposely like, yeah, following Katrina's steps, listening to the podcast, losing weight just with the podcast, right? Then I started listening to it. I think it was a good uh, like two years that I was listening to it before I actually wanted to go ahead and get coaching myself. So I joined Scholars. Many people know about self-coaching Scholars, where we got certified, right? The Life Coach School. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of just took off from there. Wow. Okay. And then, okay. Yes, exactly. We were in the same cohort, like class. We went through life's coach school together. And since then you have managed to maintain two job, two careers, plus now three coaching businesses. And you say you still manage to cook food for your children, for your family. Okay. This is not something I do, <laughs> nor do I have three coaching businesses. So tell me, how do you do it all, Ursula? Well, okay. So Kate, that's very generous of you to put it that way. But basically, it's dropping a lot of perfectionism. And we talk about this a lot, right? It's like, what do we think it's supposed to look like to do all the things we want to do in our life? And then just deciding it can look whatever, however, which way we want it to look. And I'm not 100% in any one of those, which kind of means like something also, you know, I'm deciding that I want to do it at this pace. It's not going to go 100 miles an hour in every single one. But um, I kind of came back around to deciding my family comes first through coaching, you know, especially with this academic hat that we wear. It's like, we have to sacrifice ourselves. We have to do it all for the greater good of the world mm. versus stepping back and saying, okay, well, what if family is the way that success can look for me too? Like what, what would that look like? So, and then of course, time management tools, right? That's one of my, one of my areas I love to coach on time management. So just putting it on the calendar and then forgetting about it, not making a drama about it. Yeah. 
Ah, okay. So do you ask yourself, like, what is what is one of the questions you ask yourself in order to make sure family does come first, even when you've got, you know, these coaching businesses and your dermatopath career and your laboratory research going on? So I decide ahead of time to block off the evening. So between between basically five and seven, I don't really have much that I plan. So it's that is just dedicated time. And yeah, so we also think that we have to spend all the time in order to make it valuable versus just deciding ahead of time that this is going to be the perfect amount of time. Okay, repeat that sentence again. I think it's mostly deciding that blocking off those two hours in the evening, that that is the right amount of time. That is the the perfect amount of time that I want to spend dedicated to family together with them. And also there's a little time in the morning too. But I think we get this idea in our head that in order to have quality time, it needs to be all the time somehow. Yeah. I don't know how we decided that was a, a good rule to no, have. No, I, I totally know what you mean. I was talking to somebody, one of my good friends yesterday, who's actually wanting to transition out of like um, an academic job because she feels like she's always there and she never gets to see her family. But that is a good question because I didn't ask her, well, how much time do you get to see with your son and your husband when you come home every day? Like, because are you counting that or are you just, you know, she's probably also just a little bit burnt out in the politics and academia and stuff like that. But but yeah, such a good point. Like if I have two hours a night with my kids, even if it's running around, trying to put food in their mouth and washing their hair as they scream their head off as like my girls do. <laughs> I don't, we don't wash our hair every day. Um, you know, is that the perfect amount of time? And how can I make those two hours of what could be chaos, like perfect in my head so that I, it makes you, so it feels good. Totally. Exactly. How can I be 100% present in the chaos, the lovely chaos? <laughs> yeah, because that's never going to end. That's never going to I mean, if, if we just, yeah, I mean, I tell myself, if I just keep having more babies, you know, the chaos is just going to go, whoop, 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 whoop. I've got to continue this coaching, you know, on a weekly basis. And, yeah, daily basis. So, okay, that's perfect. And then let's go back to your definition of marital interdependence as well, because I know you have a lot of experience in relationships. You have your son from your first marriage and your daughter from your forever marriage, which I love that. term. So tell me what, I mean, you're an expert now. So what is marital interdependence? What makes a successful relationship? Well, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I, I think I learned a lot about relationships with the first marriage and showing and, and deciding today that those were the lessons I needed, right? And I learned a lot about stuff that I probably would have never known to bring into my forever marriage had that not happened. So so part of it is just um, the nuts and bolts of married life of like, you know, am I a morning person? My first marriage was not aligned in that way, which is interesting. Um, my husband and I now both get up at the same time and we go to bed at the same time. I think sleep is the foundation of everything, right? So I feel like that's a big one, you know, just what is your routine? I don't know that we talk about that as much. And certainly I didn't start with that when we met. <laughs> like, are you a morning person? <laughs> I really need someone who's awake in the morning with me. Um, but I think beyond that, it's just like having a similar philosophy of life. I, I kind of think that that was where we also aligned. We like to have a lot of fun, but we also are career driven. So having having all the like small things, they sometimes actually amplify in marriages. I think just those small things end up being important and we care about them a lot. So um, I, I got really lucky. All those little things seem to have aligned to get today. 
Yeah. Yeah. In the sleep part, you're right. Because like we walk around like thinking, oh, well, I didn't get much sleep tonight, but look at how much I got done. Or, you know, somebody's like, you know, like, do you, do you really need to sleep? No, of course. Yeah. I love sleep. But one of my friends, again, asked me this weekend, how much do you sleep? Do you sleep, Kate? I'm like, absolutely. I sleep. I go to sleep at 11 PM and wake up at 7 AM. And if I have to wake up earlier, then I'll try and go to sleep. But I like to get eight hours of sleep a night. And I know, I don't know that for me, that's like, good. And if I don't get that sleep, I might be mean or bossy or angry or irritated. So yes, sleep is the foundation of everything. What do you tell your clients who are having like relationship issues and maybe even not in their marriage? Maybe it's with in-laws or children, the go-to relationship advice. I think that the biggest roadblocks that I see is when people try, we think we can control other people. I mean, that's, it always comes back down to that. Like, so how do they need to act in order for you to feel a certain way? What is that story you're telling yourself? Like if they only did the dishes, if they only showed up when we need them to show up to take care of the kids. I don't know. I'm thinking my in-laws, like <laughs> what rules do we have for other people? Um, and when they don't do that, we we just like, that's where the control, it's just so much control, right? I, I think that perfectionism is also built in there too. You know, this whole idea that, they need to be a certain way in order for us to be happy. So I think as soon as we just start, start accepting that they get to act the way they want to act, and we also get to make requests, then it just, and also finding the fun in things. I think we also like our brains love to fixate on the things that aren't going right versus taking a moment and just appreciating, okay, what's going really good here? What's going right here? And so just refocusing. I love that. Yeah. What is going right in my marriage right now? That's perfect. Or any relationship. How'd you fall in love, Ursula? How did you and your your forever hubby fall in love? Oh my goodness. It was in New York at a club in downtown Manhattan. Uh, this was, I was in third year medical school still. Oh my goodness. Seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think one of the one of the lessons I learned from the first marriage is that dance is really important to me. I love to go dancing. I love to go salsa dancing. I love to just, that's one of my, that's one of the joys of my life. I, I did a lot of Peruvian uh, folkloric dancing growing up. And so I performed, yeah, I was all, I was always in dance. And even in medical school, I started what we called Sinai Salceros. And it was like a group of some 20 plus medical students. We were all dancing together at the performance at the end of the year. It was amazing. It was just one of those things that I think, in marriages and stuff, we can just embrace like our hobbies for ourselves. But I think with dance, somehow it was, you know, there's usually another person involved and it can be okay to go. I mean, I went out dancing all the time when I was married the first time. Um, but I think for the second marriage, I decided these are the things I want. These are my special things that are really important to me. So dance ended up being one. So I put that on my okay Cupid profile. <laughs> like, must like, must must like dancing. Um, so we met out at a club. We didn't met on the dance floor. And he was an amazing dancer. It was just, I don't know. Well, we clicked very much on that level. And then afterwards, uh, we went on this really long walk. I remember this vividly. It was, I think, maybe 1 a.m. And we decided to leave the club and just get to know each other. So we talked for two hours. We sat on a bench at a park somewhere. And and then that's when I told him I had a son. 
which was a big deal because I didn't put that on my profile because I didn't, I just sort of wanted to date. I didn't want it to be complicated, but he's the first person I told, uh, because he actually asked me, he's like, but you don't have any children, right? And I'm like, actually I do. <laughs> I do have a son. And at the time he was like two and a half. My son was, and he just turned 12 this past weekend, actually. So when you, when you said 11 in the introduction, like actually <laughs> he's just turned 12. He is now, I know he's 12. So, but 10 years ago is when um, I met my my forever husband. And I think it took a minute. He was like, okay, so you have a kid already. And I was like, yeah, and I'm so sorry. I didn't say it in my my bio. I apologized to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I had such a great time with you and that's totally okay. Like we can just go our own ways. And the next morning he called me and he's like, actually, no, I don't think that, I think I do want to get to know you more. And so we did. And what's interesting, what came out of that is that I found out later is one of the things that he loved about me is the way he saw me as a mom. He saw me taking care of my son. So he like thought I was an excellent mom. So I was just like, wow, really? That's part of why you love me and you could see a life together with me. And I just thought that was so special. And he wanted five kids. And I'm like, you're not getting five kids. <laughs> I mean, this was the first time you met on that park bench at that the park club. Yeah. So he didn't tell me the, he, he kind of took a pause when he found out about me having a son already. But then later on, this was, you know, maybe six months in when we started getting more serious, I think he, he had already seen me many times with my son and it was something he admired about me. Yeah. Okay. You wanted five kids, but he got one with you. I mean, I guess two, right? Cause he can. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's you always think you want maybe five kids and maybe you do, but <laughs> once you have the first one, you you figure it out as you go, right, Kate? How how many so far for you? I at three. Yeah, I'm on, I'm I'm on number three, and I always tell people, you know, like unless the uterus comes out or there's a vasectomy happening or something, like I'm not going to make any decisions like right now. One hundred percent. What? Yeah, it's just one day at a time here. One day at a time. I love it. Yes. People ask me if you draw the time. What are your long-term plans? We're like, um, I never really after medical school and residency, I'm done with long-term plans. I live one day at a time now. <laughs> yes. Be present. I love it. Yes. Except for except for we do prepare, you know, financially for our for our future and stuff like that. So I mean, mentioning money, let's just naturally transition here into finances. How do you you and your husband um, divide up the finances in your house? Yeah, the finances are interesting. The first, that was actually, I think, a point of contention in the first marriage because we, our backgrounds were very financially different. I came, I come from immigrant parents. There was always like this, like always a hustle to get the money. And you know, I didn't come from like wealthy, wealthy background, whereas my first husband did come from some wealth. And so I think the imbalance there, we actually always kept our finances separate in the first marriage. Um, and I think I learned from that. I'm like, it sort of felt like disjointed. And I don't say I don't say this to say what doesn't work for some people, but I learned my preference actually would be to be all in together with it. And that's what I we do now. So my husband and I were, we have joint everything. So we make joint decisions. We consider my income, his income is pooled. And yeah, we just kind of make our long-term goals together. We 
you know, going through some of the real estate stuff. I'm learning more and more about it. Uh, and I live in the Bay Area. So uh, we, we made a conscious decision to continue renting and using money that we have for home real estate investment purposes to invest it outside of California. So Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that took some figuring out together, but um, he also has a finance background. And so for me, it was trying to like take some ownership of this is our finances versus just letting him handle it. Um, I think that was interesting. That was an interesting. How do you do that? Because yeah, he does. I mean, that's what he does all day long, right? Finances. And here you're a doctor, a dramatic pathologist, and we kind of tend to focus more on the sciences and leave the finances to other people. So how did you, how did you take ownership? I think once we combined it and I made sure I knew what accounts we had and I will periodically check in, um, we do sit down, maybe we try to do it once a month, but realistically, maybe it's every couple of months we sit down and go over how much we're spending on stuff and how much we're investing. So I make a conscious effort to, to be involved. Um, at the same time, I, I really don't like all the nitty gritty of it, to be honest. So I'm also happy that he feels comfortable and he likes spreadsheets and he, he, uh, he doesn't mind doing it. So I think it's also part of that um, balance, right? It's, I don't have to do all of it. Yeah. I think it's perfect. I mean, you have a house, he's probably your household CFO, but you still, you, you're still involved and it doesn't like, I love how you said, you know, it just, it makes you feel more joined or connected that your finances are now together versus your first marriage where you felt a little bit disjointed because the finances were just separate. I've actually heard that from several people who've come on this podcast to talk is how they believe, you know, and not, I'm not speaking for every marriage, but these people I've spoken to in a lot of marriages where the finances are combined, they just feel more united and like, cause then they make all their decisions together. And maybe that's just for those people, but I, I have seen that. And for me and Victor, it just works out. I mean, we basically just live off of my paycheck. So yeah, everything's combined. And then all of his paychecks, we do our little, our investments together. So we do make all, all those decisions together. And I think if I wasn't able to like log in and look at our accounts a few times a month, I, I would just feel lost or like, well, maybe we don't have this. And, you know, some, some people are just like, well, do we have enough money, you know, for this or should we be doing this? Well, yeah, let's, let's work on it together. So in order for you to sit down once a month or, you know, try to sit down, you're saying, once a month, even every other month, even quarterly, some people do it quarterly and go over your finances with your husband or your spending, your investing, like what has to happen? How, what does that look like for you? Okay. So I think what happens is, you know, we have these goals, like these, like so it usually centers around some big project or a vacation or something where all of a sudden we're thinking about a big ticket item. Because for the most part, mo most of the weeks and weeks to week, it's about the same amount of spending. So we know what what we're targeting. Um, but it's sort of like when we start thinking about, we just got a, a new car, right? So it just kind of, that was one one way where we could take a look again and just sit down and see how much we're spending. But also just even celebrations, like my son's birthday. I think we went three birthday dinners for him. <laughs> And, and he and he's like now at the age where he likes nice food. And so each 
dinner, it's like kind of a nice chunk of change that we go out and spend. So all of a sudden it's like we planned this party. And so we had those expenses. We had the, the special dinner expenses and he wants this and that. So it just sort of is like, okay, so I think we've been spending more this month. So why don't we sit down and recalibrate, see where we're at, see, see those things. So sometimes it centers around some big expense of the month that I kind of want to do that just to sort of see where we're at. But otherwise, um, he's convinced me that we pretty much have like a in and out is about the same. So it, it doesn't take much time, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he probably kind of already looks at it probably more than you do, right? So yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I get that. The husband who loves the, the spreadsheets. I mean, once, once I get into a spreadsheet, I mean, I think it can be pretty fun, but oh my gosh, just sitting down and getting in the mood takes me some self-coaching or some coaching from, from uh, my money coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, okay. So tell me a little bit about your, um, oh, speaking of which your dermatopathologist career, I got my annual mole check this morning. <gasps> wow, congratulations. Oh, man. Oh, I love that, Kate. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, I can't tell you how moles just kind of make me a little anxious, when, I, especially when I see people out in the sun and then they have moles. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, daily. Okay, so what do you recommend? I mean, I do daily um, sunscreen on the face and the neck and then arms or shoulders if they're exposed. Mm -hmm. And what else? I mean, sun, sunglasses and hat. I think I see most of your photos. I think I see a, a lovely hat on your head. So I think there's always a hat on my head. No, the sunglasses, I can, I, it's hard, so hard for me to drive. And ever since I started having kids, I misplaced my sunglasses about 5,000 times a day. So I can, I, can, I have like maybe $21 to $10 sunglasses in different places, but for some reason I can never keep track of the sunglasses and how is it important? Okay. I don't know if it's, I can ask you or an ophthalmologist or a derm about this. How important are those sunglass, um, you know, the little stickers on them that say UV ray? Cause I just buy some, some sunglasses I just buy from like Francesca's and I don't know if they are, you know, top notch. <laughs> I guess something's better than nothing. I probably would try to get some that are UV protecting. Okay. So, okay. But yeah, something's better than nothing. <laughs> Okay, so you okay? We got the official word from Dr. Lang. We should probably go get some UV protection for my for the eyes. <laughs> I think so. Your eyes and also just the skin around your eyes, right? And just the aging stuff, right? So it's so many different ways that it's helpful, especially since you're in in Texas. You're in Dallas, right? So that sun is strong. That's where I grew up, actually, outside of Dallas. Well, you did where? Yeah, so at Wiley. I don't know if that it's East East Dallas. I've heard of Wiley because we have yeah. patients from Wiley. Oh, interesting. Yeah, my Texas days. Those were great. Do you have family here? I don't. No, just my parents moved there. Then they moved us up to Seattle. So, um, but yeah, no. I think um, in general, like, what am I saying? So, yeah, the Texas heat. It's lovely. <laughs> Has a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better better where you live, even though you get a lot of sun, but your temperature is a little bit more moderate, right? Well, what else? What else have we not covered um, that you want to cover here? Well, I guess, let's see. I think in terms of the relationship stuff, it's interesting. So a lot of people actually ask me advice about having a child from the first marriage and how that integrates with all the different things, right? Um, so one interesting 
situation, especially becoming academics, are sometimes academic careers that can pull you all over the country, right? And you kind of follow wherever that position is. So an academic dermatopathologist who wants to do research, like those jobs are a few and far between. So so um, I actually went through a job search and was offered a job in New York again. So I could have had the opportunity to move back to New York. And there was also one in Nashville and one in uh, Gainesville, Florida. And I was really excited because like this is a, the time in my life where I was trying to figure out do I put my career first or do I consider the fact that my son wants to be close to his dad? And also my sister moved down to California with my parents. And so that was a huge decision point. And like, how do you manage that? Um, well, obviously coaching helped me a ton, but you know, it was, it was one of those things of saying no to an opportunity that I feel like sometimes we feel like we can't, but maybe that's for the best. And that's what I ended up doing is saying no to those other opportunities and saying yes to something local. Um, But yeah, like considering that my son wants to see his dad more often than a couple times a year, um, that was a huge deal. Um, But also recognizing that he has a new stepmom and of course he has a stepdad with my, with my husband. Um, That dynamic is, is really something that, you know, again, that perfectionism needs to get dropped because we just, that's so many people <laughs> to, to think about with, with one relationship or with one, um, with one family, it's really a combined family situation for my son. So, you know, one of the things that people ask are like, how do you, how do you talk about it? How do you discuss that with him? Um, and, you know, it's something that's been constantly evolving, but, you know, he, he now has a phone. I don't know if like what people think about that, but it is what it is. He's 12. Oh, people get phones around here. I feel like it's really early. I mean, I don't know yet. I'm a four-year-old, but <laughs> I guess maybe around here, there's some strong opinions about kids having phones. Um, but yeah, like it's just been a matter of just accepting that he will have his own life. And my three-year-old sometimes asks, where's Logan? Where did he go? And it's like having that conversation and being okay, not making it mean anything, right? Like just being like, okay, it's he's just not here right now. And I don't know if she understands, but um, seeing him seeing him accept that he has two homes is has been a really interesting process for me. And, you know, it's I can't imagine it's easy, but seeing him take on that challenge has been really fascinating and really helpful for, I don't know where he learned it, to be honest. Maybe it's because he sees me being easygoing about stuff that he also doesn't make it mean as much. Um, I guess I'll never know, but I think ultimately just showing up like in a loving way in all aspects is just helpful for him. Yeah. So thinking that we need to do it a certain way has been something that isn't helpful to think, I think, you know, like, I don't know if I'm making any sense now. Oh, no, perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, here, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people are anxious, right, about these conversations, which I, why they're asking you, how do you do it? Because maybe they, maybe people think there's a right way to do it. And there's not, right? It's just like, I mean, do you want it to look calm and peaceful instead of hurtful or you know, full of blame and shame type of vindictive, you know, type of an attitude, then I guess you just create what you want to feel yourself. And then your children, they, I mean, you're, you're their role model. 
they'll follow along. If if you're anxious about talking to a three or a four year old about a blended marriage, I mean that's the reality of today. Yeah. So so many people exactly, and like thinking that you're like that's wrong or weird or bad. I mean that's where all that anxiety comes from, right? So I know it's easier said than done, though. These things are not easy. <laughs> Well, well, the first step is awareness, right, Ursula? Yes, it is, Kate. <laughs> and then you just get a couple more minutes every time you realize, oh, this is causing me some anxiety. Let's go talk to Ursula and see how she does it. Maybe I can, maybe I can uh, adopt some of her mechanisms. Well, that's just so perfect. I'm so happy you came to talk about your different um, philosophies, right, on, on life and family coming first, even though you're super career driven. I mean, an MD, PhD, running a research lab, you've got your three coaching businesses. Oh, and then tell me again. Okay, so tell us, what are your three different coaching businesses? Yeah, so I have the first one is just kind of what I started talking about with physician scientists. So I do want I do one on one coaching, specifically with physician scientists. And a lot of times it's comes from the time management angle, because you, as you sort of realize that there is no cookie cutter box of how it's supposed to look and 80, 20. So 80% research, 20% clinical is one model, but then some people do 50, 50. And, you know, there's a lot of like mind drama around how to fit those two together. So mind man uh, time management uh, with physician scientists is some one-on-ones that I do. And then because I love collaboration, as a scientist, and also just in general for life of having more fun working together with people. I, I, um, I paired up with my dear friend and dermatopathologist, Brianne Daniels, and we decided we would start coaching STEM professionals who are, and we just niche down even further. So moms with small children in STEM fields, and we coach around. <laughs> yeah. So she's a, a mom with small children. I mean, we just so many parallels with Brianne. Uh, and we're, and it's just fun working with a friend. And like, we meet, you know, a couple times a week about the business and trying to figure out like what our next steps are. And it's just lovely. And I just know that there's a lot of moms like us with small children who, think that they need to change the world and also be everything for everybody. And right. How can you, how can you change the world if you're not even like thinking about your thoughts and feelings, right? It's like, yeah, I know when you said that, when I first introduced and you started saying that about when COVID started and all the racial issues, social injustice issues happened, we're all like, oh my gosh, I want to do everything right now. It's like, no, this is how you can start one small step at a time. First, okay, learn about yourselves and your own thoughts and your own beliefs. And then you can, you're a model, right? Wherever and everywhere you go as a mom, as a physician, as a teacher, uh, to your residents and fellows. Yeah. So I love that. And I also think like with within that, when we really think about it, like we don't want to add additional suffering to the world and we become part of the problem that we're trying to fight against if we're suffering, right? So I think that sometimes it's helpful for people to think about it that way too, or just being like, I don't want to be more of the problem. I'm suffering. That is a really good point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So especially for these altruistic type personalities, we're like, okay, we're make, actually making it worse by not taking care of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And we, all, we always have the most control over ourselves, right? 
And especially that's helpful for A-type control type personalities being like, but you can control you. So why don't we start there <laughs> versus trying to control everyone else and the whole world? Um, yeah. So, so that's my lovely STEM um, professionals niche. And then uh, lastly is, is something you're part of as well, Kate, Latina Docs, which is just, it's just like such a, a fun area. I just, you know, like I said, I, I love the culture. My mom is Peruvian. Um, and I just kind of love having that space with other Latina physicians and sharing our stories. I think it's all about stories, right? Like what, what did you go through? What's your perspective? What were your struggles? And so I think there's a lot of commonality there, but enough diversity where we all bring something different to the table. So coaching Latina physicians on, on basically anything and everything right now in the program, we're focusing on um, body stuff. So like strength, weight, weight loss, if people have a weight loss goal and just more mindful eating. Uh, and then we'll relationships, relationships with everything. And then the last one is just uh, time management again. So productivity, time management, which I always love to talk about. Um, yeah. So that's, it keeps me busy, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment in Ursula's home. That is correct. <laughs> but yet like still having space to read or having space to just do whatever, right? Like, so it's all of it's important. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to have to talk more offline to you about how, yeah, about a little bit more about your intricacies of all three of your businesses. But are there any big take-home points you want to leave my audience on medicine, marriage, or money? We could have, this could have been something we've already covered or something we haven't. Yeah. I think that the biggest thing that I try to bring into my life always is that there's no right way. There's like, it's you decide what's the right way. Your way is the right way. And to stop, like, it's not either or, but like, as much as we look outside ourselves for answers and we ask for advice and we want to see what other people are doing and learning from our environment, I don't think we spend enough time asking ourselves, what do we think? And like giving ourselves the, the benefit of the doubt that we actually might know the answer because there, that self-doubt creeps in and then we just dismiss whatever we think might be the right way versus giving ourselves credit and just saying, no, I mean, in medicine, especially when I switched, when I kind of changed gears and, and changed my career a little bit, that took a lot of like, like asking myself, like, what do I really want? And why am I doing the stuff that I've decided to do? Like that why is always so, so, so important. And and then in terms of like any of these big life decisions, right? Like stop looking outside yourself. Like maybe it's right for the other person. Your neighbor over here might have an opinion. Who cares? Like ask yourself, what is your true north? What, what is your, what it feels right to you? And I think part of like when we're coaching, it's like checking in with our bodies, like what feels right in our body and, you know, bringing that forward. And we just don't give ourselves enough credit, Kate. So. I love it. Oh my gosh. Perfect way to end this conversation, Dr. Lang. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your insight and value. Ah, Kate, it was such an honor and a pleasure. <laughs> love it. Perfect timing to head to financialresidency.com forward slash Weatherby, spelled W-E-A-T-H-E-R-B-Y for a streamlined Locum Tenens experience. 
Whether you're new to locums or a pro, Weatherby is here to get you where you want to go. Oh my gosh, I love Dr. Ursula Lang. Oh my gosh, so many good points. Okay, so beautiful episode and my big take-home points from Dr. Ursula Lang. Number one, sleep is the foundation of everything my friends why do we think we don't need enough we don't need sleep or why do we think we you know we can brag about how little sleep we got because we were studying for that exam or because we were caring for our baby or because we were working late on being productive no no you need sleep or the matter of the fact is you're not that pleasant to be around (laughs) i'm speaking for myself okay so you speak for yourself but yes i know i need sleep I know my husband needs sleep and oh my gosh, do my kids more than ever need sleep or they and we and I are irritable and cranky and not fun. So please get your sleep. Everything in your life will be better when you sleep more. And I'm not saying 12 hours a day. You don't need 12 hours a day, but you need more than, I mean, I would think you need more than four. I know everybody kind of varies and I'm not like a sleep medicine doctor. I do know some good sleep medicine doctors though. So maybe we can call up Dr. Wiley Gray, but for now, let's just try to get seven hours of sleep a night. I like eight, and maybe that's too much for you, but sleep, the foundation of everything. Number two, the next thing, next time you want your spouse to do something or to say something, ask yourself, how do they need to act for you to feel good? Is that what you're really wanting? If you want your spouse to say something or do something, put away the dishes, put the kids to sleep, tell you how beautiful you look, why are you, why, why? So that you can feel better, so that you can feel good, so that you can feel less pain of doing the laundry or the dishes or cleaning the crumbs up yourself? Yes, of course, be appreciative when they do do it or when they do say nice things, but are you expecting them to act that way so that you feel good, which is a good thing to think about. Number three, find the fun. Find the fun in everything. I love this about Ursula. She loves to like have dance parties, bring down the disco ball with everything. Just make things more enjoyable, make things more fun. And that can be in your marriage, in your life, in your own mind. You know, if you're doing something and it's not fun, why are you doing it? Okay, well, if it needs to be done, then ask yourself, how can you make it fun? You know, how can you make this fun if you have to do it and you're going to have to do it every week or you're going to have to do it every month or maybe it's just once a year. Maybe it's doing your taxes. How can you make it more fun? Ask yourself and then get creative. You'll find a solution. And my last take-home point, number four from Dr. Lang. If you are suffering, if we are suffering, We're just adding to the world's suffering. So oftentimes we think we have to save the world. You know, we mentioned this a few times. We we just we want to help people. That's what we do as physicians, is we help people. We we serve. And when we when we hear about all this social injustice, social inequity, and we want to help, we want to do everything we can. Well, just stop suffering then. Maybe stop, try to figure a way that you can suffer less. And then it just lightens the load. It lightens the load of the whole world. So I'm not telling you just stop suffering like like one, two, three, easy peasy. But think about why you may be suffering, right? Become aware of it. Name it. 
figure out what thoughts are creating that suffering. And you can sit with it for as long as you want, but if you really want to know how to help and to create value and to create change in the world, then figure out first how to create change in your own mind, in your own self. That is what she was talking about when she said, if you are suffering, you are adding to the world suffering. So let's let's help, you know, and if you don't know how to do it yourself, reach out. This is why people like me and Ursula are here. We are here to help you get inside your own mind, figure out those limiting beliefs, figure out how you can live a happier, better, healthier lifestyle today, not tomorrow, but actually today. And if you do want to do that, please reach out to me. I am always here, you guys. I just, I, I love coaching. That is one of my passions and I do it in one-on-one and I do it in groups. So reach out to me if that is you. If you know how to do it yourself to end the suffering, please, by all means, do it right now. And please join me on Medicine, Marriage, and Money, my Facebook group, because I also try to post little positive sayings and memes and questions to get you thinking, to get you more into love, unconditional love and relationship. And I I welcome other people posting too. So that's at Medicine, Marriage, and Money. I have that. And continue listening to these podcasts because I'm hoping that they're uplifting. And if you really want to do something good for other people to help other people, even if it could be one person, don't we all feel better when we can help one person feel better? And what what if I told you you could do it for free right now? For free right now, you have the ability to hop on to Apple Podcasts, to leave me a review so that more people see me, to share my episode with somebody else who might be suffering, or you don't even know. The thing is, you don't even know when other people are, right? So share share these episodes because they're positive, they're uplifting. We share tips and we share stories. That's why you keep coming back to listen. So share it with somebody else, pay it forward, and then guess what? You're going to feel better. You will feel better because you have created change. And I hope you walk away asking yourself, my friends, what comes first in my life? What is the perfect amount of time to spend with my family? Am I career driven? And if so, can my family still come first? How am I taking care of myself today? And lastly, am I searching for the right way? Am I searching for the right way to do, to say anything? How often do I reach outside myself for the right answer? What is my true north? And that is it, my friends. I am here whenever you need me to spread love and positivity into the world. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.